Well, ever since we stopped going through the book of Daniel way back before Advent, I've had people asking me, when are we going to finish Daniel? And so I thought, well, now's as good a time as any. So, so we're going to finish. We're not going to hit every single chapter of Daniel because there's a lot of repetition. Um, but we'll work our way through and kind of hit all the main points of the book of Daniel. And so that brings us now to Daniel chapter 4. So we're going to read the whole chapter. It's kind of long, but I think it's important to um, read the whole thing. So Daniel chapter 4. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is him writing it. To the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy God is in him. I said, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the midst of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was found food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked... And there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called out in a loud voice, Cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. And let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times passes by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men, and gives them to anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of men. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. 
So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of field, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air, you, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field, while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of Heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride 
he is able to humble. It's quite a story. And since it's been a while, I want to give just a little recap, just a quick recap of what has happened in Daniel leading up to this so that we have this in context. Because every part of the story kind of builds on it. It begins with God delivering his people Israel into the hands of Babylon. And it was like God disciplining a rebellious child saying, you need to stop doing this or you're going to be in trouble. If you keep doing this, I'm going to turn you over to Babylon. So stop doing it, turn back to me, and things will be good. But Israel said, I'm going to do it my way. And so they kept doing it, and God said, all right, I'm turning you over to Babylon. And so Babylon conquers them, and whenever Babylon conquers a nation, they take all the best and the brightest teenagers and Young adults, they bring them into the palace, they raise them up in their schools, they dress them, they feed them, they do their best to make them Babylonians. And yet Daniel and his friends were part of that group, and yet they refused not to participate in the schooling, not to, but they refused to become Babylonians. So they said, we're not going to eat the way that you want us to eat. We're not going to act the way that you want us to act. And the Bible says God blessed that in them. They became the healthiest People in the palace, they became the wisest people in the palace. So much so that when king, the king had a dream and he forgot the dream and wanted an interpretation of it, none of his best and brightest people could answer the dream. The only one who could do it was Daniel. And even Daniel says, it's not even me that's doing it. It's because God is with me. My God is with me and will give you the interpretation of this dream. And a dream about a, this large statue with a head of gold and a body of silver and legs of iron and feet that are iron and clay mixed. And this rock that was cut out by the hand of God gets thrown at the statue and it hits it in its feet and the statue crumbles into pieces and is blown away. And the rock stays and it grows and it grows into a mountain that fills the whole earth. And Daniel says the interpretation is that King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the golden head. But you're also part of this kingdom of the world that's going to be destroyed, that's going to fall and get blown away. But the kingdom of God is this rock that will grow and grow and grow until it fills the whole earth. And King Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that. And so in the next chapter, we see him making his own statue. He's like, I don't want to be just the golden head. I want to be, the, I'm the whole enchilada. I'm going, to make, I'm going to make a whole golden statue, set it up and say, I am the greatest king and my kingdom will last forever. I'm not some worldly kingdom that's going to be destroyed. My kingdom lasts forever. And so he builds a statue, sends out a proclamation to the whole world and says, come here and bow down to my statue. And yet Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you threaten. I'm not, we're not bowing down to something that's not truly God. They said, we've trusted our God is much bigger than you, King Nebuchadnezzar, so you can do what you want with us. Our God's in control and he will protect us. And their God did. He threw them into a fire, a fiery furnace, and God protected them and brought them out unharmed. And now we get to chapter 4, and King Nebuchadnezzar is making another proclamation to the whole world. He says to all the peoples, nations, everyone in the whole world, listen to what I have to say. And what he has to say should shock us. He says to the peoples, 
nations and men of every language who live in all the world. May you prosper greatly. It's my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. Kurt, we've got to turn this down a little bit. This keeps feeding back. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. That's a pretty different proclamation that he just gave. That was 20 years ago, he gave the proclamation and said, Everybody come, bow down to this statue because my kingdom is great. My kingdom's eternal. I am the king of the earth. Now, 20 years later, he's saying, all right, everybody in the world, scratch that. <laughs> I was wrong. The God, of the, the most high God, he's the king of the earth and his kingdom is eternal. And you think, okay, what happened? <laughs> what happened to him to change his opinion, to send out that message? Well, the rest of the chapter is about that. And it starts with another dream. He has this dream, and he actually knows what the dream is this time. He remembers it, and he calls all the best and the brightest of Babylon, and, and they still can't interpret the dream. You know, you wonder why he keeps calling them to help him out, because they're never very helpful. But then he says, finally, this guy named Daniel came, and he helped me out. I told him the dream, because I know he's, he's got the spirit within him. I know that he's a man of God, and he can interpret my dream. And so he, Daniel does. He begins to tell him about this dream, this tree that grows up. It fills the whole earth. It provides shade for the whole earth. It provides food for the whole earth. And Nebuchadnezzar kind of gets the point that he's got this kingdom that stretches across the whole earth. This where everybody kind of finds shelter and food and protection from him. And yet this angel comes out and says, cut the tree down. Strip the branches off of it. Take the fruit and spread it all over the place. Um, let only a stump remain. And we know that it's not just talking about a tree because in the middle of it, it switches and starts using pronouns about a person. Not saying let it, not let the tree, but let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. And that's why Nebuchadnezzar's afraid. And that's why Daniel's afraid to tell him the dream a little bit. <laughs> he knows that King Nebuchadnezzar, he gets mad, he starts killing people. And so Daniel's like, I know what this dream's about, but I don't want to tell you. And the king says, don't worry, just let me know what the dream is. And Daniel says, it's you. You're going to be cut down. There's only going to be a stump left. You're going to be made to become like an animal and driven out from people. Yeah, there's going to be a stump left, and there's some hope that that stump will regrow and that maybe you'll get your kingdom back. But, but that's about it, King Nebuchadnezzar. Turn from your sin so that this doesn't happen. And, and you might ask, why? Right? Why would God do this to King Nebuchadnezzar? Why would he work in King Nebuchadnezzar's life to the point where he would become like an animal and eat the grass of the field? And it tells us exactly that. It says, decision is announced by messengers. These are angels, the holy ones, declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men 
and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. If you ever find yourself asking the why question, why is this going on? And you see the words so that, it's usually answering your question. So why is God doing this in Nebuchadnezzar's life? So that the entire world will know who is God. So that they will know that God is the one who's sovereign, who's ruling over the kingdoms of men. He gives them to anyone he wishes. He raises up leaders, he takes leaders out. He raises up leaders, takes them out. He puts people in place. And he rules over all the kingdoms. And he said, this is why I'm doing it. King Nebuchadnezzar thought that he was king over the whole world. Everybody in the world thought that he was king over the whole world. And God said, well, that's not true. I need to show the world who truly is God. And so he kind of enters into battle with Nebuchadnezzar and puts him in his place. Even Daniel says for Nebuchadnezzar, he says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is going to happen to you until, if you see at the bottom of that, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. That phrase comes up over and over again. Until you recognize that God is ruling over the nations, this is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to you so that the nations know this. And for you, Nebuchadnezzar, it's going to happen to you. And so Daniel says, stop living the way that you're living. Repent and turn to God so that this doesn't happen. And yet, like every one of us, Nebuchadnezzar has a short memory. It only takes a year. And he forgets. He finds himself up on the roof of his palace, which he should learn. Right? Nothing good happens when kings walk around on the roof of their palace, right? Ask Daniel. Like, if they're walking around on the roof, something bad's going to happen. And so Nebuchadnezzar's up there walking around on the roof of his palace, and, uh, and bad things happen. Now, I've got a long quote, but, it, it, but it's helpful to see. When Nebuchadnezzar's standing on his palace looking out over Babylon, here's what he sees. Uh, it's by Sidney Gradanis. He said the palace had a flat roof so that the king could relax and walk there in the cool breeze. From the, look, from the roof, he looked down on the processional avenue, which he had paved with limestone and decorated with lion figures all down kind of Main Street. He could also see the famous hanging gardens he had built for his wife, which was one of the seven wonders of the world. A little further down, he saw the temple he had built for his god Marduk. Next to it, the Ziggurat Tower consisting of seven levels, the top being 288 feet high, a 30-story tower. He could also see many of the 53 temples he had built or beautified. Then there was the double inner wall with its large defensive towers, and beyond the inner wall he could see the huge double outer wall he had built and some of the eight massive gates that gave access to the city. And then it says, Babylon was one of the preeminent cities of history, and during Nebuchadnezzar's reign, the most magnificent and probably the largest city on earth. I mean, it's unbelievable what this city was. And so Nebuchadnezzar gets up on the roof of his house, he looks out over it, kind of stands up straight, puffs his chest out a little bit, and says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built? As the royal residence, by my mighty power, for the glory of my majesty. He's talking like he's God. This is all me. I did this. And God acts pretty swiftly. It says the words were still on his lips. 
And a voice came and says, Nebuchadnezzar, this is what's decreed. Your authority has been taken from you. You're driven away from the people and you're going to live with the wild animals. You're going to eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. And it happened. It says immediately. All of that happened. He was driven out from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven till his hair grew like feathers on an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. He was driven out. He crawled around. He's eating grass. He didn't have a place to live. And so, like this morning, it was pretty frosty and wet. So the dew of the morning was all over him. Got his hair wet. His hair was snarly and matted. Looked like eagle's feathers, it said. His, his nails got so long, they were like claws. And he walked around eating grass. And it's usually at that point, somebody says, well, I mean, do you really think that happened? It kind of sounds like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Right? Like, I think, sounds kind of like a fairy tale. Do you really think that happened? And it, it's actually not as fairy tale esque as you would think. There's actually a mental illness called lycanthropy, where it's, the definition is that the delusion of being oneself to be an animal. It's a mental illness that, that you can have where you think that you're an animal. And actually, there's, di- there's different cases throughout history where they've. People have written down describing people who have this illness in the 1700s, the 1800s, even in uh, 1946, someone was over at a British mental hospital and he saw someone who had this disease and here's how he described him in his journal. This man wandered about the grounds of the institution eating grass as if he were a cow. Sounds exactly the same, doesn't it? This is, it's not very fairy tale-esque. It's, it's a real thing. It's happening throughout history. And it happened to Nebuchadnezzar so that he would come to repentance and so that he would know who God is, so that the world would know God is, who God is. That God is the ruler of the earth, the kingdoms of the earth, and he's the ruler of the kings of those earths. He raises people up and puts them in place and he takes them out. And eventually he notices, he figures that out after seven periods of time. Now, do we know exactly what some people say? Is it seven weeks? Is it seven months? Is it seven years? I would say it's at least seven years for your nails to get that long and all of that going on. But more likely in Daniel, just seven is a very figurative number for a complete period of time. For the amount of time that God appointed for this to happen to Nebuchadnezzar, it happened. And then when that time was done, Nebuchadnezzar said, I came to my senses and I recognize that God is king and his kingdom will reign forever. It's interesting that, you know, God has never really had a problem entering into battle. I would put that in quotes with with the powerful kingdoms of the world. Do you, do you know who was the most powerful kingdom before Babylon? Egypt. And when God's people were in Egypt and God said, I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt, he kind of entered into a duel with Pharaoh and he humbled Pharaoh. And Pharaoh had to realize that God is the God over all the kingdoms of the earth and he puts people in place whom he will. And then Babylon conquered Egypt and now God's showing Nebuchadnezzar who he truly is. And then Nebuchadnezzar, then Babylon's conquered by Medo-Persia and, and the, their leader was Cyrus and God says, Cyrus, he's, he's just my shepherd and he will accomplish all that I please. He said, Cyrus, I've, I'm ruling over and reigning over Cyrus as well. And then 
They're conquered by Greece and they're conquered by Rome and nations rise and fall and rise and fall. Just like Daniel 2 said, the kingdoms of this world will all crumble and pass away, but the kingdom of God will stay and will remain and will grow until it fills the earth. He can accomplish this because of what he's done in Jesus Christ. Because God has entered into battle with, the, with another powerful ruler of this world whose name is Satan. I mean, the Bible talks about Satan. He says in First John, he says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And throughout scripture, it talks about Satan being the ruler of this world and the prince of this world and all of these things. And God entered into battle with Satan and he defeated him. Satan's kingdom will be destroyed just like all of the other worldly kingdoms. It will not last. He's already been defeated through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Satan's head was crushed and mortally wounded, and he will not win. You see Jesus saying things about Satan like, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. Or in uh, John, he says, now Satan, the ruler of this world, he's, he's cast out. He's done for. Because of what Jesus did, Satan is taken care of and thrown out. And even, like I told the kids, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, after his resurrection, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He said, Satan has no power anymore. Who has authority is Jesus because of his life, death, and resurrection. That God entered into battle. He took Satan out. He's still kind of flailing around and doing some things, but he has no power. Jesus is king. He's the ruler of the kings of this earth, as our greeting says each week. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world, and he's the king of this world. And as you get into the book of Revelation, which I know we don't like to read because it's kind of confusing, but if you understand Revelation, it's the majority of what it's about is this battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And they're at war with one another. And that war has been raging throughout all of history. And God wins. It says that Satan and his armies will make war against the Lamb, against Jesus. But the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And then interestingly, when Satan's army is defeated, the angels cry out, Fallen! Fallen is Babylon. The epitome of the worldly kingdom. And it all ends up in the end where the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. As Daniel's vision said, that rock that is the kingdom of God will grow and grow and grow until the world is filled with the kingdom of God. Of God, and He will reign fully and completely over all things. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we come to you recognizing that we often find ourselves in positions where we think we are a bigger deal than we are, trying to put ourselves in the position of God, and yet we know that we are not and that you are. Father, we thank you for the way that you work and that you rule in this world. 
pray that we would look to you and recognize that and not fight against it, but find comfort that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. May we submit ourselves to you and follow you. And may your name be glorified more and more as your kingdom grows in this world. And all God's people said, Amen.